0: Be back in James chapter 4 this morning. Last week, we looked at the process that James gives us that he lays out for drawing closer to God. There in James chapter 4. And it's my been my prayer this week that some way you've been able to grow closer to the Lord through some of those things that we talked about. And one of the ways that we talked about drawing closer to God uh, was through a greater submission to God. It's by submitting to his will, by by yielding to what God wants for your life and the will of God. I think James expounds on this because the will of God can be something that's it's very difficult for us to grasp, it's very difficult to understand sometimes. It's it's difficult even to accept sometimes. And we often have many questions about God's will, about God's plans, because we think, you know, if if God is good, and he is, and if his plans are good and and they are then why do all these bad things still happen? And that's a very valid question. It's something that we have to wrestle with. Now, James, if you remember, has already talked about some of those things and going through some of those trials and counting it joy as you were being made perfect. But today, he really dives deep into that topic of God's will. And he's been addressing issues that many rich and wealthy and powerful people have. And one of those is, is that pride. And it's not just the rich and the powerful and wealthy that have the issue of pride. We all suffer from this. And he says that uh, this pride leads you to, to, to make plans of your own doing and, and to say, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to make this happen. This is what my life's going to be like, regardless of what God's plan is is for your life. And so he introduces us 2,000 years later in the Western world to a, a thinking or a thought process about God's will that's, that's much more Eastern than, than we tend to think today. And what I mean by that is if even today, 2,000 years after James wrote these words, if you go to that part of the world and you try to make a, a concrete plan with somebody that's time-bound, that's task-oriented, that's very Western in the way that we, we do things you'll find it's much more difficult to make that happen in that part of the world, even in 2021. People don't want to pin down those details the way that we do. And just one example that we've dealt with for the past 20 years in military operations, for example, if you try to set up a meeting or an event with some local people in the Middle Eastern part of the world, And you say, okay, we're going to meet at this time for this long and we're going to do this. The reply that you may get is not okay. That sounds good. It's going to be something like inshallah, which basically means God willing, we'll do that. Or if God wills. And when you plan to meet at two o'clock for 30 minutes, you may end up meeting at four o'clock for three hours because that's what God wills now. As frustrating as that is, I think James is teaching us that we need an understanding and an acceptance of God's will that's much more Eastern than it is the way that we typically approach doing things. Let's look at what James has to say. In verse 13 of chapter 4, James says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will travel to such and such a city, "'Spend a year there and do business and make a profit. "'Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, "'what your life will be. "'For you are like vapor "'that appears for a little while and then vanishes. "'Instead, you should say, "'If the Lord wills, "'we will live and do this or that. "'But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. "'All such boasting is evil.' So it is sin to know the good and yet not to do it. Again, God's plans, God's will. It's a very complex issue to tackle. The Bible says that His ways are much higher than our ways. His uh, plans are much higher than our plans. And while many a great theologian and scholar have tried to understand the deep complexities of God's will and God's plans. I'm going to be honest and willing to admit that I don't think any man can truly understand the depth and the wisdom and the complexities of the mind of God and his plans as they're being unfolded before us. However, we can learn as regular men and women to trust in those plans and to trust God and to trust his will and what he's doing and trust that when the Bible says that he's working all things together for our good, that that's true. And he's going to use anything for good because he himself is good. I read a really neat illustration this morning of a typical day that many of us have had. This man wakes up, he says, God, can can I ask you a question and you not get mad at me? God says, sure, I won't get mad. He says, God, why did you let so much stuff happen to me today? How many can relate to that? He said, first of all, God, my alarm didn't go off, so I woke up late. God says, okay. He says, but then my car took forever to start, and so I was even later. Okay. He said, God, at lunch, they made my sandwich wrong, and I had to wait while they made me a new sandwich, so I was late getting back for lunch. Go on. He said, then on my way home, God, my phone just up and died as soon as I was taking a very, very important phone call. And so I missed that. I says, okay. He says, then to top it all off after such a terrible day, I get home and I just wanted to relax and put my feet in my new foot massager, but even it wouldn't work. Nothing went right today, God. Why did you let me have a day like this? God says, well, since you ask." I guess you should know that the death angel was at your bed this morning. And so I had to send an angel to fight for your life. But I let you sleep through all of that. Okay. God said, I didn't let your car start because there was a drunk driver on the route you'd be taking to work that would have hit you. Okay. Then at lunch, the first person that made your sandwich was sick. And I didn't want you to catch what they had because I knew you couldn't afford to miss work. So I let them make your sandwich wrong so you could get another one. And your phone went dead because the person who was calling was going to give false witness about what you said on that call. And so I didn't even let you speak to them. That way you'd be covered. Okay, God. He says, oh, and, and the foot massager. He had a short in it I, that would have killed the power in your house all night tonight, And I didn't think you'd want to be alone in the dark. He said, I'm sorry, God. God said, don't be sorry. Just trust me. In all things, the good and the bad, and never doubt that my plan for your day is better than your plan for your day. See, there's a lot to understand about God's will and God's plans. And the first thing that James teaches us is that God's will is eternal. James tells his readers, you get so focused on today and wrapped up in tomorrow or next year and what your life's going to be like and what you're going to be doing and where you're going to be going. And while God's plans are specific and right down to the very smallest minute detail, they're still so much bigger than that. And it's foolish for us to not take into consideration the scope and the magnitude of God's will. See, the Bible teaches that God's plans have been established In eternity past, for example, in Psalms 139, David said, Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Likewise, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians says that God chose us in Christ even before the foundation of the world. In other words, God is not simply making decisions as history unfolds. He's not just reacting to world events and things that we do. He's not shocked when you do something. He's not surprised by the things that you say, whether it's good or bad. God's never caught off guard. And nothing ever takes place without his foreknowledge or his consent or even willing it to come to pass. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't need to make plans and that we don't need to set goals and and have agendas or even direction for life. But it does mean that when we do plan, that we need to consider God's plans and accept them even when they're different than ours. As James taught us last week, we need to fully submit to the eternal will of God the Father. And we need to understand that His will is good. That His plans are good. They're for His glory and for our good. And so even as we plan, I think we need to live with the wisdom of King Solomon in Proverbs, which, who said, a person's heart plans his way. Or in a man's heart, he plans his way. But what does he say after that? He said, but the Lord determines His steps so we need to trust Him every step of the way. And here's where it's hard. We need to trust God even when that gets tough. Even when what God is doing is not what we planned to do. But we still trust Him. And here's the second truth about God's will. And that is that God's will is exhaustive. James says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't even know what your life will be like. Your life is but a vapor. It's here one day and it's gone the next. We are so limited. We're so finite. And it's so easy for us to get caught up in the here and the now. Or even the details of the day or what we think life's going to be like uh, 20, 30 years from now. But God's will is not only eternal, it's exhaustive. And what I mean by that is it, it's thorough, it's comprehensive. In other words, there isn't anything or anyone that is unaffected by God's plans. From the greatest acts in the cosmos to the very smallest, tiniest change in a genetic sequence, it's all within the scope of God's will and God's plan. Now here's where faith comes into play. I said this gets tough. I think it's one thing to trust that God's plans are good. It's one thing to take the Bible, state God at His Word and believe that, that it's all working out for our good, working together for our good. And it's one thing to trust in the ends of God's plans where we're headed, that one day it's going to be great, that He'll be glorified, that somehow we'll benefit in the process. But it's another thing to trust in the means of getting there and all the stuff between the here and now and the meantime that we'll have to endure in this life and to think, okay, this really is part of God's plan? But when we do, we'll learn that nothing, nothing falls outside the purview or the jurisdiction of God's will and purpose. And here's where it gets tough, because if all that's true, and it is, then how can we trust a God and His plans when we are experiencing the absolute worst that life has to offer? Where is your faith in that moment? And to think that, that somehow this is part of the, the plan, this is part of the process to, that God's taking me through to get me to where I'm, I'm going. Why didn't He just wheel all this away? How do I, how do I trust God's plan when, when, when you're fighting cancer? Or how do you trust His plan when you lose a baby or, or a child? Or loved ones unexpectedly? How do you trust when your spouse is taken from you after all of those years of being together? Or when somebody that you love hurts you deeply and God just lets it happen? Folks, that takes some faith. But you trust God because not only is He and His will good, but even in its complexity, in its exhaustiveness, it truly is working all things together. All of it. I think the greatest example of this, of God willing something that He disapproves of to be used for His glory and for the good of mankind is in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is that God, in His perfect will, He planned something. He planned to do this, and it involved incredible sin to come to pass. But at the same time, He didn't approve of the sin that was involved. And Luke captures this in his gospel. He tells us about the betrayal of Jesus by Judas. And he says that this evil thing that Judas did was literally inspired by Satan himself. But on the, at the same time, over in Acts, Luke tells us again that Jesus was also delivered up according to the plan and foreknowledge of God. And while God certainly doesn't will anyone to sin, He, does, he did will all these things to come to pass Even using the sin so that sin itself could be dealt with and defeated forever. So in His exhaustive and eternal will, God willed again that none should perish but all should come to repentance. He willed to save mankind through the death of His Son. And in this will, He even took the worst that somebody could do to betray and murder this very Son of God. He even used that to bring about His ultimate will in Christ to provide us salvation. Now, what we see is not only is His will eternal and exhaustive, but James reminds us God's will is effective. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. And the principle that James is teaching us here is that God's will is not only eternal from eternity past, it's not only comprehensive and exhaustive in its reach, but it's completely effective and inescapable in its depth. If, if God wills something to be, guess what? It's going to be. It's going to happen. On the flip side of that, if God doesn't will it to be, then there's nothing that you or I can say or do that's going to make it possible. So here, here's where we cause ourselves a lot of heartache. We decide for ourselves, this is how it has to be. This is what I'm going to do. And regardless of what God's will is... Or this is not what I'm going to do. And we try our best to make whatever that is work, right? And we stress ourselves to the max trying to fit that square peg into this round hole that's just not part of God's will. And we hurt ourselves. We hurt other people in the process. And we make our lives absolutely miserable. And here's why. Because we idolize our will more than we love God's will. So that begs the question. How then do I know for sure if something is God's will or is not God's will? So first of all, I would encourage you to check the manual. What does God's word say about this thing that you want to do or you don't want to do? Because God's word will never contradict God's will. And you you know a lot about God's will through his word. When you get into God's word and you find out what God commands us to do, the things that he forbids us to do. You learn about his character, the things that God likes, the things that he doesn't like. And then the other thing that you got to consider is, are you really praying about this? And I don't just mean praying like, God, help me do this because it's what I want to do. Are you praying like Jesus, who on his way to the cross said, Father, not my will, but yours be done? And then you have to ask yourself a few more questions. How does this or could this affect someone else? Is it going to help others? Is it going to hurt others? Will someone benefit from this besides just me? And then probably just as important, how does this affect my witness for Christ? And then you put all that together. You're in the Word. You're praying about it. You're asking these difficult questions. Honestly, when you do all that earnestly... God's will becomes a little bit more clear on what you should or shouldn't do. So trust His will. Don't try to force it. Try to force something that's not His will. But I think on the flip side of that, again, if you know that this is God's will, if you know this is God's plan, there's a lot of peace that comes in knowing it's going to happen. That takes us to the final point. God's will is... Emancipating, It's freeing. James says in verse 17, So it's sin to know the good and yet not do it. And at first, when you read through this passage, it seems like that verse is just kind of tacked on to the end, right? Like it doesn't fit. But what some commentators have concluded is that James is teaching us that if you refuse to include God in your plans, and you refuse to acknowledge His good and perfect will and then submit to that will... And not do it. That is sin. That is disobedience to God Himself. And trying to live that way. Trying to live in opposition to God's will for your life. It brings chaos to your life. It, it enslaves you to so many things that, that you don't have to go through. If, you, if you, you will find yourself experiencing things like fear and frustration and doubt and restlessness and bitterness. But then... When you come to a point in your faith where you can fully submit to whatever God's will is for your life, and you embrace that your Heavenly Father loves you, and He truly is working all these things together all the good, all, all the painful things, all the successes, all the failures, and even the mistakes He's working it all together for your good. And even when life hits you with the most terrible and unforeseen circumstances, you, you know that He can still make something great out of it. How do I know? How do you know that? Again, go back to Jesus. The Bible says that he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? There's been times in my life. I'll be honest with you, church. There's been times in my life that I have ran from God's will. The times that I've been afraid There's been times that I thought that I was going literally to die, that my life was coming to an end. And it bothered, it terrified me. But then when I finally accepted God's will, whatever that might be, and I accepted His plans, and I believe that when Jeremiah said, I have plans for you to prosper you and to harm you, and I knew that whatever that plan was, even if it meant my life in today, that there was good in that because my Father is good. Let me tell you what, I found a peace... It truly surpasses all understanding. And I think that's what I want for us all this morning. If you've been wrestling with life, you've been wrestling with God and His will and His plan, and you can't understand for the life of you why these things have happened in your life. Why God does what He does. Why He doesn't prevent certain things or hasn't prevented certain things or why he didn't do what you wanted him to do when you wanted to do it and you've been dealing with all this then today I want you to do what James said last week and it's simply to submit just surrender just wave the white flag and just give it over to God because you'll find the peace that you're looking for you'll find the the freedom that you need in that submission When God takes all of that and you simply trust in Him, whatever it looks like, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you watch God take all these different pieces of your life and some of them are broken, some of them are ugly, and He begins to put them back together not the way that they were, but into something brand new and more beautiful than it ever was before. Stand with us. I want to pray for us this morning as we close. This is some deep stuff that we're talking about this morning. But this is the stuff that in life challenges our faith and makes us grow. When we ask ourselves, am I really willing to trust God in every part of my life? We're going to close with a song this morning called, It Is Well. And, And when you actually submit to God in this way and you have that kind of faith... You can get up tomorrow morning, no matter what tomorrow looks like, and you can say, okay, Lord, it is well with my soul because I trust you. And I know that this somehow is going to be part of your plan. You're going to do something with this that I can't even imagine right now. But it takes us submitting to his will for our life. Let's pray together. Father, God, first of all, I thank you for the plans that you have the things that you have decreed from even before time began and eternity past. God, as I look across even my little life, God, so many wonderful things. Yeah, there's been tough stuff, but you've been there. You've walked with me through the fire. God, the most important thing, the the, the most wonderful thing is that you planned a way for me to be saved. God, I thank you for that. This morning, God, if, if there's someone here that's just they've been wrestling with, with you, with your will, with, with life. Father, I pray that they'd find the peace that they need so desperately, Lord, for their heart, for their mind, and that simple surrender to you. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, doesn't have a relationship with you, God, I pray today they would be saved. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we sing a song of invitation this morning. If you need to respond in prayer or you want to talk or there's a decision that you need to make, why don't you come as we sing. It is- Thanks for listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville On Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville. On Twitter at BarbervilleFBC or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.